0: You're listening to The BizCast on the C-Suite Network. Welcome to The BizCast. You work hard in your business and you want to know what it takes to get to the next level. The BizCast is where we interview best-selling business authors, thought leaders, and C-Suite executives to bring you an inside look at what it takes to succeed in business today. Whether you're the leader of a Fortune 100 company or your company is just taking off, what you're about to hear will help you take your business to the next level. I'm your host, Kevin Crane. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Michelle Tillis-Letterman, author, speaker, and likability expert. You've seen her in places like CBS, Fox, New York Times, Forbes, NPR. And she's with me today to talk about her book, 11 Laws of Likability, Relationship Marketing, because people do business with people they like. Michelle tillis Letterman, welcome to the show. So much of business is about networking, networking for a purpose, uh, usually to advance business relationships or to make a sale. But you say that success today is really more dependent upon simply being likable. What does that mean to be likable?
1: Well, likable is just another way to say connecting and building foundation of relationship, enjoying um, the exchange with another person. And it isn't just about, as you said, driving towards results and networking for purpose. I kind of like to take that purpose out of it a little bit and network for pleasure with results in mind.
0: I understand how being likable can help me as an individual, but how can likability help businesses? How does that work?
1: You know, I love this question because one of the things that has been difficult to translate is that likability is a bottom line concept. Let's think about some of the aspects of, a, of an organization. Um, turnover, $11 billion is lost annually to turnover. Uh, engagement or disengagement, more than $500 billion a year in the US alone mm-hmm. due to employee disengagement. Um, I have reports that say 56% of employers report difficulty keeping and retaining their top performers and their high potentials. 83% of people in 2014 reported looking for a job. So <laughs> you think people are happy and engaged and productive? They're not. They're looking. And the number one people, reason people give for leaving is their boss. So the relationships and the connection and the likability, that factor hits the bottom line.
0: So it hits the bottom line in terms of motivating and keeping a motivated and loyal workforce. But how does likability apply outside of the organization for businesses?
1: I think that's the other side of the equation. People would rather do business, and this is really the subtitle, with somebody they like over somebody who has a better quality product, over somebody who has a cheaper price product. The relationship wins out. And if you think about that, People are willing to pay more for the things that are important to them, whether it's a green organization or an organization that um, is supporting their causes or uses, you know, organic materials. If it's important to them, they are willing to pay more for it. And let me tell you, that relationship and that idea of I'm being serviced and I have a trusted source and, and um, resource is valuable to people.
0: I can see how that works if you have a company that has some sort of altruistic nature about what they do, or they can, like you say, source maybe uh, in a green way or something that makes them likable or at least perceived as more likable. But what if I have a typical company that's not too much sexy about it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, how do I be likable? No. How can I be likable to my customers? And, you know, so they like me.
1: I think that's a great point. You don't have to be altruistic. I don't think that a company has to be altruistic. One of the companies I um, profile in my book is Restoration Hardware. And my experience in that store where the salesman knew which room I was working on and what my color schemes were and the color of my paint. And I did a lot of my decorating in that store. That's not an altruistic company. I have no idea what materials they're using or where they're sourcing them from. But I had a really wonderful relationship building experience with the salesperson in that store over a period of months. So it is really about mood memory, which is one of the laws in the book, about how does a customer feel after experiencing interacting with your company, with your store, with your product, with your salespeople, with your customer service phone numbers. Uh, You know, it, it doesn't have to be a product. It could be internal to an organization. We within an organization are each other's clients and customers. How does accounting feel when they have to deal with IT? And how does... Um, you know, legal feel when dealing with HR. We are um, branded and units within an organization as well.
0: You talk about the law of energy in your book as being important to being likable. Um, but if you're like me, sometimes it can be draining kind of at the end of the day, trying just trying to be so upbeat and energetic. What strategies do you suggest to avoid that burnout?
1: This is a really important point. I want people to be very clear, the law of energy is not about being perky and happy and upbeat all the time. I mean, like you just want to shoot somebody who's like that. Um, but energy is about understanding what energy is productive for the interaction and for the moment. And sometimes that's a really calm energy. And sometimes it's reflective. And sometimes it's, it is energetic. And sometimes it's very um, calming. So you, you don't want to think that energy has to just be happy energy. Um, So that's the first point I want to make there. The second thing I want to highlight is that um, you really need to understand your energy because when your energy is not working for you, it is working against you. And if you realize that your energy is not in the right place to connect with somebody else, then you have two choices. One, (laughs) go home and live to connect another day rather than potentially kiboshing a a potential connection. So if it's an option where you can say, I don't really feel up to this tonight, you know what? Sometimes you can let yourself off the hook. Not every time, but sometimes. When you don't have the option, what you need to think about is how do I shift my energy into a more productive place? And this is where you kind of think about what is the one thing that I can authentically connect to in the experience I'm going to need to have to have to bring my energy to a better place.
0: Sometimes being likable can lead to bending backwards, you know, to help other people people, how can I set the appropriate boundaries without becoming unlikable?
1: I I really like the idea of um, helping others. This is the foundation of one of the most important laws in the book, which is the law of giving. And I actually give this chapter away because I believe so much in the concept of giving and helping others. And you're saying, but I feel like I'm getting taken advantage of. And you know what? You're not the only one. And so what I want to do is talk about the balance between giving and asking. And it isn't a quid pro quo and it isn't a, um, you know, an emotional bank account where you're keeping tabs. It's the idea of giving when you can because you want to without expectation, but understanding when it is, is more than you can do. And I talk about how to make an ask, but what we also want to talk about is how do we say no? And no is really hard. So we can say, um, not right now. We can say, um, we can actually flip the no to a yes. But it's yes if, or yes when, or yes after. And it gives a little bit of caveat. Or we can use the no with this if, whens, or after, or but. Or you can provide an alternative solution. So sometimes you're not able to help because you're just stretched too thin. So you might say, I am not able to as much as I would love to be able to help you with this right now. I'm just stretched too thin. People, first of all, will understand that and then give them another option for how they can get the help they need. You may have somebody else they could go to and you might say, you know what? So-and-so might be able to help. I can connect you to them. Or you might say, here's what I would do. Here's a quick five minutes of ideas. Go for it. Let me know. Keep me in touch. If I have more time, I'll, I'll do what I can. And so you can you can moderate what you can give and find find a small piece of that bigger pie that they might be requesting to give them a crumb, so to speak.
0: My guest today is Michelle Tillis Letterman, author of the book, 11 Laws of Likeability. And if you'd like to get a copy of Michelle's book, just go to the C-Suite Book Club and get it there. Visit c sweetbookclubcom You'll find 11 Laws of Likeability, along with a great selection of great business books from our C-Suite Book Club authors. Thought leaders like Dov Barron, Scott McCain, and our guest today, Michelle Tillis Letterman. So visit c-suitebookclub.com. It's time for a quick break, but when we get back, I'm going to ask Michelle about those 11 laws of likability, what are some of the most important ones, and how can we use them too? So stick around. I'm Kevin Crane, and we'll be right back after this. Deepen your success in the C-Suite by attending the C-Suite Network Conference, June 7th through 9th in Chicago. It's three days of on-stage interviews, interactive conversations, and networking opportunities with fellow C-Suite leaders. Request your invitation to attend today by visiting conferencec network.com
1: You're listening to The BizCast with Kevin Crane on C-Suite Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm speaking with Michelle Tillis Letterman, author of the book, Eleven Laws of Likability." And Michelle, your book, you present... 11 laws of likability. We don't have time for all 11, but what are one or two of the most important strategies that C-suite leaders can use today to become more likable?
1: Well, we've touched a little bit about one of the most important, which is the law of giving, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on it because it is so critical. It is understanding that especially those in the C-suite have so much to give and they don't need to be afraid to do it. They don't need to be afraid that they're being taken advantage of or that they won't get theirs because it is um, it is a pay forward approach. It is a long term approach in which you give when you have and when you need the, the support network will be there to provide it back. Um, but that concept of giving increases results exponentially, but it also impacts um, the culture of an organization, especially when it comes from the top leadership in this mindset. It stops creating an us versus them environment within a company. Um, One other law that really does resonate, especially in the C-suite, is authenticity. And that is the first law within the book. And the funny thing is, it was originally was the last chapter. And I kept saying, this is the thread that ties it all together. And somebody's like, well, why is it at the end? And it was great feedback. And it's now at the beginning because it really is not just the thread, but the foundation for all the other laws in which we interact, our self-image, our perception, our energy, our Listening, curiosity, similarity, all of the other things have to be through a lens of authenticity and what that is for each individual person. You know, we, I call, I call them unique charms. We all have our unique charms and it's understanding how those, um, those charms work for you and work against you and when you need to be aware of which place they're, they're in at that moment.
0: Michelle, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time, Um uh, but before I let you go, one last question. You give advice to some of today's most successful leaders and organizations, but what was the best piece of advice you ever received, and how has it shaped who you are?
1: Oh, God, I've gotten some really great advice over the years, and... um you know, some of them come to mind, like follow revenue when you were starting your own business and um, good enough is good enough when it comes to work-life balance and not having to be perfect. Um, but I probably would say, and, and you might laugh at this, probably the best advice I ever got was when I started training and... I got a bad review from one person in a class and I hyper-focused on that person and I I really wanted that person to like me. And somebody said, you know, you can't make everybody happy in a room. You need to focus on the ones you can have an impact on and somewhat let the rest go. And it was really fabulous advice and it's driven a lot of how I approach relationship networking. You cannot, I mean, if you saw the graveyard of business cards on my desk, You cannot follow up on all of them, and it's okay to let some of them go, and you can't make everyone like you.
0: That's Michelle Tillis Letterman, author of 11 Laws of Likeability. Get it at the C-Suite Book Club at c-suitebookclub.com. Michelle, thanks a lot for being my guest today on The BizCast. My pleasure. That'll do it for this episode of The BizCast. Join me next time when we continue to talk to business authors, thought leaders, and C-Suite executives to bring you an inside look at what it takes to succeed in business today. Don't forget to visit the C-Suite Book Club at c-suitebookclub.com. Great books by great business authors, only the best at the C-Suite Book Club. And if you like what we do here at the BizCast, don't be shy. Give us a shout out on social media or leave a review on iTunes. Meanwhile, until next time, I'm your host, Kevin Crane, for the C-Suite Network. Thanks for listening. Brought to you by the C-Suite Network. C-Suite Network.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C-SuiteRadio.com.